Welcome to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast, a complimentary resource for those on the road to recovery. I'm Mickey Trescott, a nutritional therapy practitioner living well with autoimmune disease in Oregon. I've got both Hashimoto's and celiac disease. And I'm Angie Alt, a certified health coach and nutritional therapy consultant, also living well with autoimmune disease in Maryland. I have endometriosis, lichen sclerosis, and celiac disease. After recovering our health by combining the best of conventional medicine with effective and natural dietary and lifestyle interventions, Mickey and I started blogging at autoimmune-paleo.com, where our collective mission is seeking wellness and building community. This podcast is sponsored by the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook, our co-authored guide to living well with chronic illness. We saw the need for a comprehensive resource that goes beyond nutrition to connect savvy patients just like you to the resources they need to achieve vibrant health. Through the use of self-assessments, checklists, handy guides, and templates, you get to experience the joy of discovery, finding out which areas to prioritize on your healing journey. Pick up a copy wherever books are sold. A quick disclaimer, the content in this podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On to the podcast. Hi, everyone. This is the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast. Today is episode 15. We're talking about connection. We are super excited to talk about this. It's kind of special in our hearts when it comes to uh, dealing with autoimmune disease, how this fits in. It's kind of an overlooked area of health, connecting with humans and nature. Um, So we're excited to dig in. How's it going, Mickey? Are you excited to talk about this? I'm super excited. How about you, Angie? I'm good. I'm super excited to talk to our guest today, Angelo Coppola. Angelo is the host of one of our personal favorite podcasts, Latest in Paleo, where he brings a unique and interesting format to the usual health podcasts. You guys should definitely check it out. Angelo is one of the people who is keeping the ancestral health movement in forward moving motion with his open-minded approach to sharing information and questioning the status quo. Angelo, thank you for taking time to share with us on the topic of connection and welcome to the show. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Angelo, as part of your background, you left a vice presidency position at two software companies to pursue healthy lifestyle. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about how that impacted your life in the areas of connection, both with other people and with nature? Oh, wow. Um, What an interesting question. Yeah. So in in 2013, I basically traded my corporate career for full-time podcasting, blogging, and just pursuing a healthier lifestyle. So what we did was relocated from the desert Southwest in Arizona and kind of, you know, just the the very typical mainstream life, you know, with a, we had a, a house, a lot of belongings and um, a pretty big family. I had four kids at the time. So, and two of them were grown. So you're talking, you know, cars in the driveway and, and, and a lot of space to run around. And we sort of just traded all of that in and moved to the temperate rainforest of Washington State in search of a much simpler life. And and we were able to do that. We we did. We we found a a smaller place to live, much smaller, uh, with much less stuff. And we really tried to keep things simple, which I think has have also helped to make things a lot less stressful, but also uh, more financially possible as well. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, life can become richer through the subtraction of external things rather than focusing on constantly accumulating them. 
now we're also expecting kid number five, by the way, our first boy. So that should be really interesting. My, my wife's about wow. 30. Yeah, she's like 35 weeks pregnant. So we're, we're getting really close. Congratulations. Um, yeah. And as far as connections, wow. Um, where we live now is not so much like in the middle of the forest. It sort of is, but it sort of isn't at the same time because I'm only uh, 10 or 15 minutes away from Costco. So, you know, that kind of gives you some perspective. But at the same time, when I look out my window, all I see is green and trees. Um, we have a good amount of space between us and our neighbors. And so a lot of times when I just wake up in the morning and go outside, I feel like I'm camping, you know, still. And it's been it's been three years. And it's so wonderful just to be in that natural setting. And then also with working from home, I found that I've really been able to connect with my family a lot more. My youngest daughter, when we moved here, was only about two years old. She just turned five. And I've just felt so much more a part of her life. And I can't even imagine how our relationship would be different had the circumstances been different, if that makes sense. So that connection has been very important to me. And uh, when I do go out, uh, walking is a big part of my life. Hiking is, a, is one of my main activities. And so when I do go out, I'm pretty much immediately in uh, nature. And so when I think about connections, I, I definitely think about connecting with nature and then with other people, when you find those connections and when you find meaning in those connections or you kind of work out what those connections mean to you, you ultimately end up connecting with yourself in a better way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I spend a lot of time outside. I spend a lot of time under this evergreen canopy that we're blessed with in Washington State. And uh, it, it's been, it's it's really hard to put into words, I guess, what it's meant to me, but it's it's definitely been a defining factor of the last few years of, of my life. Wow, that's really incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that, Angelo. And I have one question um, about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, a lot of people, you know, I've made a transition like yourself. I actually used to live in Seattle and now I live in rural Oregon. Do you remember what it felt like to make that decision? I'm going to leave the, the job, the city, the house, the cars, whatever. What did that feel like back then? And did you imagine yourself finding so much joy and peace in those connections with your environment, your family, yourself? Did you imagine that to be so intense? So it, it's really hard to understand what you're leaving, you know, to, to place the value in what you already have. It's kind of what you already know. And so if you ask me how I felt, I think a lot of it was some fear. Uh, you know, how would we really make ends meet? I, I, I kind of figured things out on paper. And so I was pretty comfortable with the math and I, and I knew that we could get our cost of living down really, really low. And that, that was a big part of what we did was just to bring our cost of living way down. Um, and so, we were able to do that and and do really well with that. Um, being debt free was it was a really big part of being able to to make that decision in the first place. Had we been hunkered down with just gobs and mountains of debt, then I don't think we would have been able to do it. So that kind of uh, there was some breathing room there, and 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 it was comfortable. But still, at the same time, um, you are leaving a lot of the security or at least what you believe is security, this life that you've built. And um, time after time, we see how 
people lose their jobs, lose their houses, economies move up and down. And, and everything that we kind of think of as security isn't always that way. But still, when you're in it and, and you have the comfort of that security, it feels good. So the, it was pretty scary. As far as whether I knew how important and how you know deeply rewarding I would find it, um, not really. I suppose I suspected it, but it's definitely been more of an experiential type of a thing. It's something you have to go through to really be able to understand. So one, one of the things that I always talk about on the show is to kind of make sure your life's always moving in the right direction. We're, we're, we're never going to achieve perfection, but if you can just, you know, tweak your course one degree into a better direction for you, then that has really big uh, and long-lasting implications in the future. And so it definitely felt like uh, a move in the right direction. This was even though I really enjoyed what I did, I enjoyed the company I was with, I enjoyed the people I worked with, but still it felt like there was something really, really missing with all of that. And so um, that was a huge motivator. And my family was very supportive of it as well. So, so that made it a lot more, um, a lot easier, I guess, for, for me to pull that trigger and give it a shot. And then, you know, if things didn't work out, there's always going back to that. It's not like there's no do-overs. Yeah. Wow. I love this. Um, obviously, you really valued connection in your life to go ahead and make the leap. And I love that you kind of followed through. And I also loved it that you kind of described that, you know, some of the fear was more about what leaving familiarity than real, real security. I think sometimes uh, we humans tend to confuse familiarity with security. So that's great that you kind of narrowed in on that. Another question we have for you, Angelo, is to explain to us what humans are not broken means. This is your website. And if you can especially talk to us in regards to people getting sick or experiencing disease, what does that have to do with your title? Okay, so, you know, humans are not broken is is sort of, it's something that I realized early on in my journey after starting the show. Uh, in a lot of ways with, with Latest in Paleo, that was a, very much a journey that I was on with the audience. And so somewhere around maybe, I don't know, the eighth or tenth episode, I did a show about minimal footwear and barefoot running and that kind of thing. And it was really interesting to hear about how people with knee problems or uh, different kinds of issues with running could go to wearing less padding on their feet and then have a healthier stride or uh, improve their knees, their hips, their backs. And one of the doctors in a segment that I had played on the, on the, on the program said, the human foot is not broken by default. And I thought that was a really cool way of putting it. Like, you know, I think uh, Da Vinci said, like, the human foot is the greatest piece of engineering in nature. And I thought that was a really cool way to say, sure, you, we're trained to believe that you need all this padding and you need the arch support and you need all these other things on your feet. But you know what? It actually has like millions of years of evolution behind it, making it a pretty good tool to get you from point A to point B. It's a, it's a fantastic machine in and of itself. And so as I thought about that a little bit more, it kind of opened up in my mind to, to include not just the human foot, but it's also the whole human body. And, and even if you take it up one more level philosophically, maybe the whole human being. And in our world today, 
I think maybe not explicitly, but implicitly, the message that we hear a lot, whether it's in marketing or in stories or on the news or what have you, it's that we are broken and that we are made to constantly feel inadequate or incomplete. And from a consumer standpoint, a lot of that is addressed by fixing it through purchasing things. And, you know, it's, it's just a very common uh, marketing tool to make a person feel like they're missing something, you know, create the problem and then offer the solution. But you realize that, that we're not just, you know, this separate thing from the natural world. We're part of the natural world. We're not separate from nature itself. And if we can just provide ourselves with the very basic needs, just like all of the other living creatures on the planet, then we tend to do really well. Um, whether it's you know food, sleep, sunshine, uh, spending time in nature, uh, being active, doing something meaningful or creative, all these things that go into spending time with our loved ones, all these things that go into making us human, if we're actually able to provide those inputs, then that fixes a lot of the problems that we think we have. More than anything, humans are not broken is just a reminder of that. You know, it's not, it's not intended to be a religion or an axiom that, uh, or this principle that, you know, above all else, but it's just kind of this really simple little reminder that, Hey, wait a minute, maybe, maybe if my mind is going straight to, Hey, what do I need in order to fix such and such issue? Maybe another way of asking that question in your head is, do I have too much? What do I don't need? Um, maybe is there something more basic that I can do? And, and just to think that way. Mm -hmm. I think that's so like great and really applicable to our audience. You know, Mickey and I focus a lot on folks with autoimmune disease. And I think hearing the idea that actually there might be something that needs removed from your life, what, you know, whatever that may be from uh, an inflammatory food that's not serving your body to, you know, a stressful job that's not fulfilling your purpose, you know, it, it might be something like that. Absolutely. And even I would say, you know, I, I think especially people with conditions or uh, an autoimmune condition or people who are obese tend to think of themselves as being broken. But a lot of times it's really, sure, you've got certain um, symptoms or, or a disease is manifesting itself in a way, but it has a lot to do with the environmental inputs that are going on. So if we can fix some of those inputs, then we can really address the underlying issues as well. And it's not so much that our bodies are broken. Our, our bodies, um, you know, when someone goes into insulin resistance or something, or like diabetes, I'm thinking, well, that's the way, or, or obesity, maybe that's even easier to think about. That's just the body's way of dealing with the environment that it's in. And it's probably doing the best job that it possibly can given the inputs. So if we want to change the outcomes, we just kind of have to change the inputs themselves. So, and, and I think it's just more productive to look at it that way versus a little bit more of a fatalistic view of I'm just uh, broken or it's because, you know, I've inherited such and such condition mm -hmm. that I, I, there's mm -hmm. nothing I can do about it. It's, it's sort of like this fatalistic view versus one that's maybe a little bit more optimistic and puts a little bit of control back in our hands as well. 
Yeah, we love it. <laughs> sounds like sounds like that's right up our alley, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. So let's transition a little bit uh, and talk about nature. What is your philosophy on the relationship between humans and our natural environment? <laughs> you know, at the root, there is no relationship between humans and our environment. We mm -hmm. are the same process. We are it. And it's so hard to talk about it because of the, almost because of the customs of our language, you know, the, the way that we're used to using words to describe this and to, to talk about relationships, you know, um, that it's really a much deeper connection than can be described that way. But I mean, if, if we're to try and, but just to, and, and, and if we can just remember that, you know, we are the same process that's powering stars and uh, motion, everything that we see, we're, we're, we're the same thing, just like a, 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 you know, water flowing through a river is the river. It's not, a, it's not, a relationship with the river, you know, without the water, there is no river. So um, it, it's kind of a hard thing to, to get across. And that might sound a little bit woo woo, actually. And and you kind of do hear these kind of things in, in new agey speak, but or and whatnot, but more and more, uh, science is is talking about the same things. Okay, we share DNA with the trees. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to look at this through a scientific lens and to see that the connection um, between humans and nature is that we are the same process. I mean, clearly, nature is our home, our our environment. You know, and we're supposed to move through nature in 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 its ways. We're supposed to use all of our senses, right? Um, we're supposed to be comfortable with the randomness of nature. You know, there's very little uh, in your control. Even if you've ever been on just a, a hike on a, on a well-maintained trail, you realize that nature is a lot more complex than the environment of our society. And we might tend to think of our structures and our uh, systems as being a little bit more complex because, you know, uh, we've made them and we're a little human-centric in the way we think sometimes. But um, really, our modern lives are, a, are, are almost a, a sort of a dumbing down of nature. They're, they're a simplification, you know. Just think of all the straight lines in our buildings. If you look around in the room that you're sitting in, um, it's probably a lot like the one I'm sitting in. You know, but if you were sitting out in, in nature in, in Oregon where you are, and I was out here in my backyard in the temperate rainforest, it would probably look quite a bit different, you know, but instead we have walls and ceilings and we're probably in a relatively box structure with a smooth floor. Um, our roads tend to follow a grid, whereas if you ever go out into the forest, you won't see any grids. Um, we, we, we focus on things that are really no further away from us than a typical room. So, you know, talking about like just uh, how we use our vision. A lot of times these days, it's we don't focus much further than a computer screen. When we listen, we, you know, I have headphones on right now. And, I, and throughout a lot of my day, actually, since I work at home, I do have my headphones on in order to cut out some of the noise in the house and be able to focus on what I'm doing. Um, but the sounds are familiar and uh, very much different than when we're outside. And you know, then, then our sense of touch, you know, we're, the, the things that we're most familiar with touching in our lives are our shoes and our clothes. 
you know, maybe our phones or our computer keyboards, but smooth surfaces with our fingers. Whereas in nature, all of that stuff is really complex. In nature, everything's wiggly, you know, there's no straight lines except for maybe the ray of light shining through clouds or, or, or an opening through the forest canopy. But in nature, we use our sight to see the ground, what's ahead of us, what's around us, our peripheral vision, what's way out in the distance, um, up at the sky. You know, it's just a completely different trip. We, we listen to everything that's happening as it happens without necessarily expecting what's happening. You know, it's, it's a much more random sound experience. And then as far as texturally, when we're in nature, especially if we're barefoot, right? Um, we begin to really feel the world and there's all of these different textures. And so you come to know the way things are just by how they feel and how they sound and how, and, and through the different ways of, of looking at things, our familiarity with, with nature is on a much more individual level. Like I know the trees in my yard in a way that I don't know trees in someone else's yard or out in the forest. Whereas, you know, if I were to go from my computer keyboard over to uh, someone else's computer keyboard, I could still type and I could find my way around. You know, things are very similar in that way. And so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but our relationship is with, with nature is that simply it's our home. It's where we evolved. It is our natural environment in, in, in the same way that, uh, you know, any other animal on earth has a natural environment in nature. I love that description, Angelo, because I think, you know, the way we phrased our question, I mean, you caught us like you're, the relationship between humans and our environment. You're right. We are the environment. You know, you gave us a great description of kind of our indoor or mostly indoor modern life and kind of what we experience when we go into a forest as far as randomness. And, you know, we're, we're not able to really have a heads up on what that experience is going to be like every time because there are so many things that are apt to be different. Um, I mean, if we were in that environment for centuries or, you know, our ancestors were in this environment and now we're in a completely different environment, I mean, we know that it probably has something to do with all of these health problems we're facing, but what do you think are some of the key components to what could be different there? Well, I think a lot of it simply has to do with uh, the way we move, for one thing. We spend a lot of time sitting. We we live a sedentary life these days. Uh, Like I said, focusing on our computer, there's a lot of our vision problems, and we we don't use our senses to the fullest. Probably as far as health problems, though, and um, and autoimmune issues, I would think that a lot of it just it, it comes right back to diet. Uh, it, when when we sort of rely on nature in a very direct way for our food, what you have is a whole food diet, and the diet tends to be something that nourishes us. I mean, in every way, right? Not only our own selves, but our gut microbiomes. And it, it, it's just, it provides us with a very simple, um, straightforward way of getting nourishment into our bodies. Whereas in today's world, not so much, right? I mean, we've got over 50% of the American diet has become ultra processed food, not just processed food. Mm-hmm. Like I think processed food is about 70% of the diet, but now over 50% of the calories that Americans eat are 
ultra processed foods, which means just the most refined and processed types of foods that um, we produce. That that's now half of our diet. So that's that's really a huge thing. I think we could probably, you know. We don't live in nature anymore in the way that we used to, and that's maybe okay. I mean, it's hard to say what direction we should go in as far as that goes because, you know, you have to define should. And I I have no idea where we're going as a species or what, you know, any kind of purpose might be. So maybe it's all right that we are moving a little bit more toward the, you know, the, the, the type of lifestyle that we are moving toward, but then there's things we can do to make sure that we say, hey, we have this biological uh, body that evolved in nature. Let's make sure that we um, take a look at where our modern environment is mismatched from a natural environment and try to bring that a little bit closer together. So what does it always come down to? It's always going to be food, physical activity, all those basic things that I talked about, sleep, um, all those things I talked about when you asked me what humans are not broken means. You know, it's just getting those basic inputs. And in nature, it's a lot easier to do that. You even see that in some, I don't know if, are you, are you familiar with the blue zones and, and the research that was done mm-hmm. on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you see people living these really long lives. These blue zones are pockets of, of population where you have this really high concentration of centenarians, right? And these people seem to do really well when they are living the type of lifestyle where you've got, you know, a primarily whole food diet, physical activity is baked right into the society, you know, whether it's, you know, walking to get the water or um, there's a lot of gardening and and taking care of animals or that kind of thing in in uh, in the culture, in the society, it's baked right in. And that's kind of the point. And when we're in nature, I think a lot of those healthy inputs are just baked into the process, baked into being out there. And we just have to think about those things in our modern lives and how we can make our own lives flow a little bit better with the natural rhythms that we're evolved for. Yeah, this is like, uh, to me, you know, I was, I'm thinking about the, the food component and interacting with your environment, right? And, you know, as a kid, I grew up on a homestead in rural Montana. You know, my parents raised animals and for food, and we raised a huge garden, you know, there was lots of it, literal interaction with my food. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and even though I had the genes for autoimmune disease, even as a child, I didn't develop autoimmune disease until I was an adult. And even eating really processed foods, some of which were ultra processed foods and not interacting with my environment anymore, including my food. So that's that's like, that's a really, yeah, that's a really interesting concept. I've actually seen a lot of research um, that points to kids who grow up on farms doing a lot better in in a lot of areas. Um, Mm -hmm. Asthma comes to mind as one of those areas where, you know, you go out on the farm and and these kids aren't suffering from... um, from asthma like we are in the cities and whether that's because of cleaner air some people point to maybe it's raw milk it could be any number of variables and we're you know we're sort of resigned to to guess at which ones those are and it's hard to always pinpoint what those are because there's this holistic lifestyle that that is just there's just so many variables that you can't keep track of um so yeah i think Getting out there in nature is definitely one of those key components. Uh, we can't completely simulate those inside of our four walls. You know, we can't put on an Oculus uh, um, t- 
type of device and and just go into this like simulated reality of nature. I think we have to actually get out there. Although even that, now that I say that, there there are some studies that show even just showing people pictures of nature kind of improves their mood and stress levels and and things like that. So maybe there are some shortcuts, but then again, um, why? You know, because it's also such a joy just to get out there and, and make time to to be in nature too. Right. So, Angelo, another thing we wanted to ask you about is um, something you talk about on your website, the, this idea of ambient anxiety, this conditioned sense of constant urgency and deadlines. And, you know, you say cutting carbs and eating more kale cannot address that. So, so Mickey and I could not agree more with that. We're wondering if you have found connection with others or natures to be an antidote for that ambient anxiety. Uh, well, definitely, because when you're in nature, I think you just become a little bit more in tune to sort of that natural rhythm that we were talking about. And it helps to put things in perspective. And certainly when you're with other other people and you're connecting socially, uh, that's a stress relief for a lot of people. But at the same time, I don't know um, if that's necessarily true. For everyone, I, I do think that certain personality types do really well with not so much uh, social interaction. And so I, I know it's really common to say that, you know, people who spend time socializing, that that's a great way to uh, improve your health. And I think that that is just, it's unique to the individual, whatever that amount is. Uh, for me, it's it's probably somewhere in the middle of the scale. I'm not like super social, but I'm also not a hermit. So I'm somewhere in the middle of those. And definitely, you know, when I when I have time where I can go out and, you know, I get together with, with our neighbors once a week and I go on um, hikes with some people around here as well and do that kind of thing. It's great. Um, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, just talking about stress and ambient stress and ambient anxiety, it really is more uh, acute, right, in nature where maybe the easiest example to think of is a zebra running from a lion. Uh, and, and during that attempted escape, sure, there's tremend tremendous stress. But um, once that zebra escapes, if it should escape, then, you know, it's it's followed by relief and it doesn't constantly dwell on what just happened. Now, of course, people aren't zebras, and that's an oversimplification to, to kind of associate that directly with how we deal with stress. But we can still look at um, the work of like Robert, Dr. Robert Sapolsky, who's, who's worked with primates and such. And we, we tend to stress out about everything, you know, and, and just like you were talking about the constant deadlines, the, the, the way that life, rush hour traffic, right? I'm sure there's people listening to the show right now in, in uh, traffic. We can even stress out about stress and, and anxiety can make us more anxious. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I'd like to suggest, and the reason why I kind of circled back to that is, sure, being in nature will, will definitely help some people. I, I would say it helps me um, put things into perspective. And um, when I connect with something that's a little bit bigger, I can see that maybe some of my problems are not as big as I might make them out to be in my own head. But at the same time, let, let's say we, we hurt ourselves. We, we, I, I burn my hand on a stove. I don't blame my pain response 
for the injury or the discomfort. You know, I, I say, thank goodness that I felt that right away and I was able to pull my hand off the burner. Otherwise, you know, I'd be in a real mess. I don't look for, for pills that will make my pain response go away, right? It's, it's a tool. It's a, it, it helps actually to keep me safe. And so maybe just as a thought exercise, what if we also thought about stress and anxiety as a similar type of a pain response? Um, instead of trying to make the stress or anxiety go away, which is what we try to focus on a lot. Like I think maybe someone would like to hear me say, yeah, if you spend 15 minutes a day meditating in nature, your anxiety will go away. But I don't think that's necessarily true. It'll probably make you feel feel really good when you're out there. Um, and it could make you feel happier overall. But why not say, thank goodness I feel this stress or anxiety. Let me think about what it is that I can do to address it, you know, and, and get at that root cause. And just as you would quickly remove your hand from a burning stove, is there something in your life that maybe isn't right um, that 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 we we can look to that anxiety as a signal from ourselves in a way that tells us, hey, we, we need to change something up. So um, I, I don't necessarily look at stress and anxiety as a bad thing. Uh, when it is chronic, it it definitely points to the fact that something is probably chronically wrong with uh, some factor in our in our life or another, and so. I would say use that stress and anxiety as a clue that maybe we should look at uh, how we're living and and take a good guess at maybe some things we can change. And I think nine times out of 10, when we're feeling that way, we can figure out what those causes are pretty quickly. I think a lot of us know what's stressing us out. Um, and maybe the solutions aren't readily apparent, but yeah, at the same time, you know, you want to be really careful about turning to... Um, pharmaceuticals to just make the pain go away because that's kind of the same thing as like, well, I want to leave my hand on the stove, but I just want to take pain pills so I don't feel it. And 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 certainly, um, some people do feel chronic pain, and and certainly, I'm sure some people uh, do feel chronic uh, stress and anxiety for reasons other than lifestyle issues or or environmental issues, and and so that might be an appropriate course of action for some. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to knock that by any means, but at the same time, for a lot of us, it, it really is an opportunity for some examination. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to do some triage and say what's going on and, and nature can certainly be a part of it. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, sure, you can put things into perspective and you can feel a little bit better because you've spent some, some time outside and, and exerted some physical activity. But, but at the end of the day, you still have to address what those issues are. Yeah, great advice. Totally, totally spot on there, Angelo. It was great talking with you today. Thanks so much for being our guest. Um, we could talk about a topic like this for hours. There's just so many different ways that other seemingly unrelated aspects of our life work their way into connection, you know, even down to how owning stuff gets in the way of connection. You know, it's really interesting. So thanks so much, Angelo. Um, maybe you can tell folks where they can find you and catch up with you. 
Sure. I mean, most of the stuff that I do, you can find at humansarenotbroken.com. I guess it's a reminder about some things, and it's also a website address, and it's all one word, humansarenotbroken.com. And there you'll find Latest in Paleo, the podcast. Um, my diet over time has shifted from a more mainstream um, paleo diet to a much more plant-based paleo diet. So I have some information on that on the website as well. And the blog, there's a lot of articles. So those are the three main components, I guess, the diet, the uh, the podcast, and just you know various blog articles that I've written over the years. And all of it is right there. So it should be pretty easy for folks to find. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast. We're honored to have you as a listener, and we hope that you've gained some useful information. You can learn more about the topic we explored today. It's covered in detail in our book, The Autoimmune Wellness Handbook, along with handy self-assessments, checklists, and other useful resources to put your plan into action. Pick up a copy today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes, as this helps others find us. You can also connect with us through our blog, autoimmune-paleo.com, and with the community by using the hashtag autoimmunewellness.